With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. A Florida Friday, a football Friday, a football Friday with Fred. You only get it right here. Welcome. Keys to the Florida game coming up with VFL safety Fred White. Also, we look back on some Florida games that Fred was a part of. Did you know that Eric Westmoreland was on crutches before one Florida game? Did you know that Dwayne Goodrich got benched during a game for talking trash to Steve Spurrier? We will discuss that. Also, Tennessee football recruiting. Prospects the Vols are battling Florida for and prop bets. We've got a lot going on with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It is the Friday before the Florida game, and I will tell you, why this is the last time that it will carry this much weight. And there's a good reason why I will explain a column going up on offthehooksports.com here momentarily. Caleb, we begin with Cooper Mays. First of all, I ask, how are you, sir? I am good. Happy Friday. Got a little, it's got a little, there was a little chill in the morning. Like Florida, Always felt like really when fall kicked off for me was Florida week. 
Well, it is here. So here we go. And it is time for today's tough question. And it deals with Cooper Mays and his availability. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, so here's the deal with Cooper Mays. Expected to be available by Josh Heupel. That's the latest we're hearing. This sounds bizarre, but should Tennessee play Cooper Mays against Florida? Is this actually this SEC East rivalry, one of the biggest games in September for a number of years? Is this actually a game in which you should rest Cooper Mays because of more significant, better opponents down the line? It sounds absolutely crazy, but Caleb and I talked about that yesterday and he wrote a column on that so uh, let me tell you about what i'm hearing on the cooper mays situation expected to be available doesn't mean he's necessarily going to play i'm completely at 50 50 whether or not he goes out on the field against florida so that's where tennessee is um, despite what maybe josh heupel says i'm not ruling him out in any any shape form or fashion but i'm telling you it's not a guarantee that he will go out there and play. Now, today's tough question, is there any notion to the fact that Tennessee should rest Cooper Mays? And it's brought to you by Andy Mason of andymasonrealestate.com. Real estate experts with over four decades of combined experience in East Tennessee, best prices, best service in the biz. Support our advertisers and sponsors. Go to andymasonrealestate.com. Cooper Mays. Should you rest one of your best players in the Florida game? Caleb, in the 90s, 2000s, and even in times other than that, we would have said that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But you made the case for it, and your thoughts on why Cooper Mays actually could be rested to be sure that he is ready to go against opponents like Georgia and Alabama I know Alabama lost, but I think we would both agree those are better football teams than Florida is currently. You tell me, what do you got? Even if this were the 90s and early 2000s, I would rest Cooper Mays this weekend. And there's a few reasons on this. One, Ollie Lane has been serviceable. He's been more than serviceable. What am I saying? He's been really, really good in Cooper Mays' absence. The biggest thing with the center is, and Spencer Riley is, Talked about it is the snap. Have you seen one bad snap from Ollie Lane? I haven't. They've all been good. And I think because of that, you rest Cooper Mays in this game. The worst thing to do is to bring a center response who is going to be rusty, have their first game back be at seven o'clock at night in the swamp. Okay, guys. I think so. One, even though I think Cooper Mays is better than Ollie Lane, I think Cooper Mays has NFL potential. Honestly, he can be, a, he's going to be a great center because of what I've seen from Ollie Lane. I actually think bringing Cooper Mays out in this environment hurts Tennessee, and this game doesn't help them. It hurts Cooper Mays because I don't care what anybody says, Dave. I don't believe he's 100%. And so you could risk him getting further injured. 
and Cooper Mays not playing at 100%. We saw that happen in 2021 with Hendon Hooker because he was never 100% that year. And Tennessee was one of the worst teams at getting sacked that year. The next year, Cooper Mays is fully healthy. Tennessee was one of the best at not getting sacked. So there clearly, there is there are issues when your center is banged up. The backup center has been serviceable. Don't want to trot him out in his first game when he's rusty in the swamp. And then, okay, you can, you've got Texas San Antonio next week. Bring him in for that for a few plays. Get him, get his feet wet. Bring him in for a few plays against South Carolina the week later. I know everybody's talking about South Carolina, a big game. I think Tennessee's going to beat them pretty easily, and I think they can handle them with Ollie Lane. And then you got the bye. And so I say for this one, though, rest him. Okay, so I, I, I was I was on your page, and I wrote a column about it. Uh, I slept on it, thought a little bit more about it. I, I, would, I would play him. Now, I want to clarify something. Lance Pepper says if Hopple thinks Cooper will help this team win, then there's no way you leave him on the sideline, assuming he is healthy enough to go. Now, that's the that's the key, assuming he is healthy enough to go. That is the question that everybody has to ask themselves, and Cooper Mays has to ask themselves. He does have to think somewhat about his NFL future. I know he's all ball through and through, but he does have to think about that. And I haven't shared any insight, and I, I've specifically avoided some of the insight because of, Cooper Mays and what and the fact that he works with us on a regular basis. So, but I'll tell you this, you're not a hundred percent healthy going into a game. If there's still a decision to be made on Wednesday and Thursday, that's a fact. I mean, it doesn't, I'm not giving you any inside information that I've gleaned from Cooper. If you're still questionable heading into Wednesday and Thursday, you're, you're not, um, you're not a hundred percent and he's not. Here's the other thing to remember. Florida and uh, Travis says uh, that we're being dark. Uh, no, not at all. I think Tennessee's that much better. One to 85. With but all Travis is talking eight. about our outfits. Oh, yeah. Sorry about our outfits. I didn't mean to wear black. Um, so, but no, I, I believe firmly that Tennessee is that much better where they could do without him, where they could be, and they're going to be without a Keenan Peely where their roster is that much better that they can lose two key players. And I can't believe I'm saying this and they could not be involved in the game and go out there and win and maybe win comfortably, Caleb. Now let me play devil's advocate to some extent. Now that I've had a chance to sleep on it, boy, I wonder, and this was referenced on the message board. I do wonder how much you're more comfortable with Cooper Mays in there if you're Joe Milton as opposed to Ollie Lane. I, I think there's something to be said for that. I do think you have to factor in the opponents, Caleb. Virginia's not very good. Um, Austin P's not very good. So you said Ollie Lane has played well, and yes, he has. But has he played well because of the opponent or because he's Ollie Lane? As the interior of the offensive line with Andre Keurig in there at left guard in place of Lane, who slides the center, have, have they played well because of the opponent? Or Keurig's pretty good and Lane's pretty good? I don't think we 100% know, but I can tell you that Austin P and Virginia are, are really bad. And you obviously do not want to lose this Florida game because suddenly you're, you're looking up in the SEC East standings. You're not going to make it. Uh, to Atlanta if you lose another uh, SEC game. So it is still 
incredibly important, obviously. So I think the debate could be had, but if he's 70%, no, 80%, no, 90%, no. Want him to be 100% to get him out there and make sure who he's. Cooper's had injury issues in the past, and a nagging ankle injury really hurt him in 2021. You don't want that to be the case with this. I haven't specified the injury, but I think this is more the type of injury without giving anything away that I think if you were to um, re-injure it, you would be out for an extended period of time again. It's not like just tape up an ankle. So uh, if he's 90%, I'm saying don't play him. If he's 100% playing, but if any, if he's anywhere short of that, I wouldn't play him, Caleb. So then you're on my side because we both agree that he's not 100% in this game. And yep. he, yeah, it's, and so I don't play him. And I'm with you about the roster difference, despite what happened last week. Just for a little bit of history for you guys, this is the first time Tennessee's playing Florida when Tennessee is ranked and Florida's not since 1971, which was a game in the swamp that Tennessee won 20 to 13 with a behind a great blocker by the name of Philip Fulmer at the time. And one back, he's going back kids. He does this going back. Yeah. That was also when Tennessee beat Florida in the swamp in 2001, that was their first win in the swamp since that 1971 game. So Tennessee is undefeated. Tennessee is five and zero all time against Florida when Florida, when they're ranked in Florida's night. after watching Florida against Utah, look, it was first game. But Dave, you tell me, and this is where we can maybe get a little clearer picture of this. Florida's mistakes against Utah, like the real bad mistakes we saw, the issues, was that just first game sloppiness, or is that a is that going to be this team? Did you see did you see a team that that's going to be that team this year? Well, first game, I mean, I, we're only talking about three or four four or five passes that. Milton was was off on and the chemistry was off on. I think the bigger, the more no, I was talking about Florida, Florida against Utah. Oh, Florida against Utah. I mean, I, I, that's largely what I'm basing my opinion off of. And that is Utah was able to push Florida around at times. And that's a very good Utah team. This is not just throwing out a West team and saying, Hey, you know, they're terrible. That's a very good Utah team, but they push Florida around at times. And if they're able to do that, Tennessee, not really push them around because they're a vertical type of defense, but they should be able to push them around on offense and defensively, they should be able to flip the field on a turnover or two, I think. Um, so uh, I think Florida's very beatable and I think they're beatable without Cooper Mays. So you have to factor that in. And that's something that we haven't said, regardless of whether you should or shouldn't play him. That's not even been a discussion to say you might rest one of your best players. That's a testament to Josh Heupel. It is. And it's funny. This is We're talking about a Josh Heupel team. And I think Tennessee's game plan for this game should be like Fulmer's game plan in 1998 against Florida. It's so crazy to say, but it should be. Totally agree. I, totally agree. Yeah. Play very conservative and trust your defense to shut Florida's offense down. Because I don't think Florida can score. And so I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud about a Heupel offense. But. I think that's I, no, I know. Team. I think it's a different football team. Lance says Utah had five sacks against Florida. Defensive line is supposed to be our strength defensive front. Does UT have a much better defensive line compared to Utah? Yes, I got. I think so. But man, we've seen two. We've seen two really lackluster opponents. I, I can I tell you at midnight on Saturday for sure. Yes, yeah, sure, for sure. You can. 
And somebody's got to change their shirt during the break. Travis is right. We're both wearing black. It does seem I'm wearing, weird. No, I'm wearing navy, guys. I'm wearing navy. Okay. Well, I'm slightly colorblind, so maybe uh, everything looks looks black. Okay, here we go. Well, I got some bad news for, for Tennessee, Florida fans that love this series uh, back in the day, and that is, is this Florida game still Tennessee's biggest game of the year? Yes, it is, but this is the last year it will be. This is the biggest game of the year because if you lose an SEC game this early, if if the cards fall where they may, nobody would be surprised if Tennessee lost at Alabama or home to Georgia, and suddenly you're looking at two losses if Tennessee loses to Florida, and you're not going to make the college football playoff most likely. So, yes, this is Tennessee's biggest game of the year because it's Tennessee's next game. I don't want that to sound goofy or weird or coach-like, but that's a fact. If you lose this game, your backs are really against the wall. Now, Caleb, let me get your take on that and tell you why this is the last time and it'll ever be like that and why the Tennessee-Florida game will never, ever, ever be as relevant as it will be on Saturday, and it has been in the past. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you, but first, is this still Tennessee's biggest game of the year, Caleb? I'm going to eat some crow. I might eat some crow on this, but I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no because I think Florida has, dare I say, become a circled win for Tennessee this year. Hmm. And it's 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 effectively like if they played Vanderbilt in the third game of the year, not Vanderbilt, but, you know, a team that they should beat. It's not the biggest game of the year because I don't think this game is a toss up. It would be a devastating loss. It would be a really I don't think I think Tennessee goes into this game. If they win, it's the mentality is we got past that game time for the next game. And but if they lose, it's devastating. So I can't call it the biggest game because I don't think there's much elation if you win this game. I think you win this game, you come away saying, okay, you did what you were supposed to do, and you move on. Georgia is the biggest game this year. Well, if you had to pick one that you'd rather win, absolutely. But I'm going to go with the – and it sounds like Coach B. And you know me, I'm not that. It's the next game. It's an SEC game. You've got to win this game, so it's the biggest game of the year. Okay, so – but it will never be like it. And you you hear me harken back to the 90s and 2000s, probably ad nauseum for some of our younger uh, 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 younger viewers, listeners. But the simple fact is that was the game of September for all of college football. It was that big. It was Spurrier, a Tennessee guy, going against Tennessee, who he seemingly had mastered. You had a, uh, a guy that in Peyton Manning couldn't get over the hump. And then you had the 98 win and, you had the 2001 win, but Florida mostly owned that series for that time period, and it was it was absolutely incredible. Now, the 2001 game wasn't in September, but this game in September will never have as much importance. Why? Because you can lose it and potentially lose another SEC game and make the college football playoff. It is never – this is the last. This is closing a chapter – of the biggest, greatest game in the history of college football in September. And let the record show that Dave wants this expanded playoff. So he likes the fact that this game is going to be demagnified. I'm okay with it as a whole. I hate this part of it. 
you know, you kind of have to give and take. Um, so I'm fine with it. And I like the college football playoff and I like the direction of it, but there's no arguing. This is the final chapter of, of the Tennessee Florida book. That was the most significant game in September in the history history. And you know, history better than me, actually, Caleb, correct me if you think I'm wrong, the history of college football, no series in September has been more important than the Tennessee-Florida game, largely because of the 90s and 2000s. But I'll take it as a whole, and I'll put it against any other series that you can come up with because it determined national champions twice. It determined SEC champions as well. And I just don't see there being really any comparison in the history of college football for the biggest series in September. 1990 to 2001. That's what, 12 years, right? Um, Yes. Tennessee and Florida won nine of the 12 SEC titles during that period. 1990 to 2000. I'm sorry, 1990 to 2000. They won nine of the 11 SEC titles. Mm -hmm. 1990 to 2000. Bama won one in 92 and 99. Tennessee or Florida won the East Every single year, the first 10 years of the division's existence. it You are right, Gabe. It stopped. I've always said this phrase about Tennessee, Florida. It stopped the college football world. Like the whole world stopped surrounding Tennessee, Florida in September because it was so rare. And as we, it for younger viewers, it was very rare for a game in September to have that magnitude. I mean, it did feel like, it, it felt like a, October, November showdown, which Tennessee never really had those type of November showdowns that you saw with other great teams during college football. You only got this in September. And for Tennessee, a lot of times, if you remember this, Dave, they were coming off a bye week usually. So this was the second game of the year for Tennessee and Florida had had two tune-up games coming in. So it was, you're right. The magnitude was huge. Florida fans, if you go down there, they like to say that nowadays it's not a rivalry and maybe have a point, but they, they're lying if they tell you they didn't circle this game as a massive game in September back in the 90s and 2000s. They absolutely did. Amen. And I'm going to lump together after 2001 for what about, and, and you know, I know Tennessee got pretty Ill, Ill, irrelevant in the 2010s, but I'm going to give you another decade of it was certainly one of the most important games in September. So I've got a 20-year span where it was uber elite and then it was really, really good as far as the college football world. So you find me another one that had a 20-year run like that, and I'll give you a hooker t-shirt and maybe a book because there's not one. Portions of the program brought to you by Apex Apparel Group. Design, brand, market, your way, unique products to promote your business. with Unparalleled customer service, apexapparelgroup.com. Listen, you lost this game and your season was pretty much over. Over. I mean, Kevin, I think it was Kevin Burnett who, after a Florida loss, said, we'll be back. And other than that, there was no optimism if you lost the Tennessee-Florida game. For Tennessee's perspective, that's the team I covered at least. It was a massive hangover. It was the type of loss that was just short. You remember when teams used to lose in the Super Bowl, Caleb, and then they would like miss the playoffs next year because of the Super Bowl hangover? I was listening to an, uh, an interesting interview with somebody 
that said they were interviewing Bobby Ross after the Chargers lost in the Super Bowl and they got hammered by the Niners. And they asked Bobby Ross, he said, uh, when did you get over the Super Bowl loss? And he said, never. And I'm still not over it. Whoa, that was right before the next season started. You've got to move forward. Tennessee had trouble moving forward in this game a lot. It'll never be like this again. Is that sad? Yes. But do I love the 12-team playoff? I do. Caleb? Ten- okay, to be fair, it was harder for Tennessee to get over it because Tennessee was competitive with Florida. That Chargers Super Bowl against the 49ers, San Francisco was just a better team. Like, leaps and bounds. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying. Should they, should, wait, did Bobby Ross really expect to win that game? Well, I'm just saying the hangover <laughs> was real. And it used to be re- It was. It was that close. It's not losing a Super Bowl because you still had an opportunity. But it was that close. I think it's losing worse the than the Chargers losing the Super Bowl because they should have expected to lose that game. Same way the Bills should have expected to lose all four Super Bowls. The other teams were far better than they were, particularly the Cowboys. I, I thought they were better um, than the Giants, actually. But that's, Well, the uh, Giants had an injured quarterback. They didn't have their quarterback in the game. I but, loved Hudson Pfeffer. I thought Hudson Pfeffer was as good as Sims, actually. I'll tell you what. No. We're going to get to Fred White in two minutes. And we're going to discuss his keys to the game. We're also going to get into some of his memories. I didn't know Eric Westmoreland went to that 1998 game on crutches, but he did. And he played. I didn't know one of Tennessee's best players got thrown out of the game during the game in 98 for talking trash to uh, an opponent. And that opponent was Steve Spurrier. He talked trash to the head coach. Two minutes off the hook sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. 
back to Dave Hooker. Welcome back. He is Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. Fred White will join us very shortly. Looking forward to that. And Fred's fantastic. Um, And we'll get Fred's keys to the game. We just discussed Cooper Mays, whether or not he should play and whether or not he will play. Uh, And uh, keys to the game will be brought to you in part by our friends at Chat Mortgage. Your home search just got easier. Buying a home in Chattanooga has never been easier with Chattanooga Mortgage. Go to chat, C-H-A-T-T, mortgage.com, chatmortgage.com. So uh, as we get into this, and we're going to be joined by Fred White momentarily, I, it's, it's pretty amazing to me that we're even having the conversation that Tennessee should beat Florida, that Tennessee is roughly a touchdown favorite. I think it's dipped down to six and a half. Caleb, you might want to correct me on that. But there's still that with their guys that handle both of the uh, play calls um, on both sides of the ball and Keenan Pilly and center Cooper Mays. It, it amazes me that we're still talking about Tennessee being a touchdown favorite in the swamp that says a lot about the roster building and let's be honest the offense can be sexy it can be fantastic the defense can be a vertical and flip turnovers but at the end of the day the roster building is what is most important for this team and that was the big question for josh heupel when he was hired is recruiting we're joined now by uh, Fred White, Fred White, former Vol, a big part of our Celebrate 98 book that you can order right down there in our YouTube uh, page. Or if you're on uh, Spotify or Apple, we've got a link down there for you as well. We would love for you to uh, take a look at the book and see what you think. It's not just a rehashing of the season. It's about the bond um, that is uh, was so prevalent with that team. A lot of books going out this weekend, so if you've already ordered, I will take care of you. Fred White joins us now. Fred's got his orange on. Accidentally, we're both wearing black. Well, actually, Caleb says he's wearing navy, but I'm slightly colorblind. Uh, Fred, but you've got your orange on. You look great. It's a Florida Friday with Fred. That is simply awesome. How are you, sir? Doing good, Dave. How you guys doing? I'm Dave? fired up. I made the argument here just a second ago. Because of the college football playoff, this is closing the chapter on a certain portion of the Tennessee Florida series because you can lose this game and easily still get in a playoff. You could probably even lose another game and get in a college football playoff. This is in somewhat the end of history on on Saturday. It is. Um, I hope you don't slide your way or back your way into a playoff, but, I, but <laughs> I'll take it if we do. Um, <laughs> there's so much history with this game um, dating back to, I mean, Florida back in the 80s weren't, weren't very well, good until Steve Spurrier came along and, and made them a, a household name. Um, I went back and I looked at from some of the games that we played against Florida. Uh, some of the, those things that stood out to me were 96, 97, 98, 99, every last one of those things has its own 
own storyline and also good and bads about them. I only got a chance to beat Florida one time, which was 1998. However, there were some games we should have won, in my opinion. And um, I just went back and I looked at some of the things, and everything that stood out to me were all the mistakes. Yep. Um, mistakes were an issue. The other thing I want to ask you about before we get to um, the keys to the game, it's it's hard for me to say this, but Cooper Mays, if he's not 100%, uh, Fred, I will tell you right now that um, I would sit him against Florida. And that sounds crazy, but I think Tennessee is a significantly better team. And you could actually sit one of your best players to get healthy and make sure he's healthy the remainder of the season. The fact that that's even a conversation, not whether or not he should sit, but the, the fact that that's even a conversation says a lot about Josh Heupel and how he's built this roster quickly. And, and your depth. Because like I said, a year ago, we wouldn't be talking like this. We'd be thinking, man, we need all hands on deck. Every guy for, even if he was limping into the weekend, I mean, you want him to play. Right now, I want him to be healthy for the rest of the season because I think it gets tougher as it goes. You do have South Carolina in a couple of weeks and then Texas A&M and then Alabama. And it goes, you know, there's a gauntlet of, of SEC games you're going to need your top players for. I'm not saying that Florida is not a top opponent because I think this is a this is a rivalry game. They're going to come out and play harder against Tennessee at home than they're going to play against anybody all season. Um, maybe with the exception of Florida State, um, those are kind of those games where you want to see they want to see themselves do something well. Um, if we have the ability to be able to sit him, I think our offensive line play has been consistent enough in the running game and also giving quarterback time to. Um, to give us that, we do have a little bit more depth now than what we used to have. Do I want to see him play? If he's healthy, that's the only time I want him to see him play because I don't want him to go into that game and get injured and re-injure himself. Um, and that's you take that chance every time he says the football field. But in this situation, if we can sit him and he's not healthy 100%, I'll take it. But if he's 95%, <laughs> Man, I may want to have them on the football. Yeah, there you go. All right, Fred's appearance brought to you in part by our friends at the Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques uh, that will make your children safer one school at a time. If, you're, uh, if your child goes to a private school, go and ask them, say, who, who's protecting our children? We've all seen the tragedies unfold on television. Who's protecting our children? Because you have to undergo a 60-day training to be a part of Herald Group Security Solutions, and we want them to work with public schools as well. Learn more. Go to heraldgrp.com, heraldgrp.com, and it's right down there. So is the Celebrate 98 book, the untold stories behind the Tennessee Vols. 1998 national championship and without this guy fred white it would not have happened let's get to keys to the game and that is four downs right now four downs is brought to you by our friends at zen sports four downs four questions Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay, Fred, here's what I'm going to do. I want to bounce some of what I think are keys to the game off of you and Caleb. And then I want you at the end, I'm going to save the fourth down, uh, the possession down, as they like to call it, for you. 
So let me start with uh, what down Cooper Mays, because Cooper may not play, but he's still a big part of this program. And Cooper, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Thank you. Coop, what down? Coop here. First down. Very good. It is first down, Coop. So let's do this. Keys to the game, Joe can't get cold. He can't go out there, and he missed a couple of passes against Virginia, but he was one for eight uh, in his first uh, in his first eight attempts against Austin P. I don't think he wants to get cold early. Nobody says go out there and get get off to a great a bad start. I mean, I'm not trying to be cliche, but a good start you can take Florida's um, you, you can take Florida's crowd out of the game. Fred. So I, I think Joe can't get cold early, especially. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think we need to find some ways to get him going into the game first, though. Um, short, short routes here and there. Um, running game, gets it, get it going. As well as we have to find a way to get something deep down the football field. He needs to see some sense in that area. And I think that will also take the top off the defense, meaning that you don't have an extra guy to, to fit in the running game. Um, we've been running the ball very well that first two games of the season. I think having him be able to get that ball down the football field, stretch the field some, whether you overthrow it or not, stretch the field some so it opens up the short game and also open up your running game. Fred, for uh, the second key, I'm going to actually bring up some shades of 98. First of all, I got to say, for you, it's got to feel like 98 already because the Braves just won their sixth straight division NL East title. <laughs> it's like the 90s all over again, isn't it? <laughs> Except uh... I hope they win the championship, though. We don't need to go <laughs> and just win one championship. You win the pennant. Yeah, what was it, 14 straight division titles and one title during that time? <laughs> in the one title, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so speaking of shades of 98, what do you think of the keys of, even though this is a hypo tempo-based offense, I think a key is they need to play kind of conservatively in this game. Well, it's hold like, on a second. You're, get, you're getting ahead of Cooper, and nobody can get ahead of the center. Cooper oh, Mays I'm sorry. <laughs> what is it again? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Thank you. So second key of the game was run, run, run. I think Tennessee can run the football against Florida. Uh, Fred, it may not be sexy, but run the football, establish the line of scrimmage, which I think is what Caleb was referring to. And I agree with that. I mean, you look at our 98 game, and that was part of our strategy. We had to run the ball, play good defense, and get after that quarterback and do those type of things. And the running game was what helped us win. Uh, you see the last play of the offense for us in the overtime was T. Martin running the ball to get us in a better field goal position. Uh, Jamal Lewis getting about 85 yards in that game. Those games, it it was tough yards, but it gave us an opportunity to be in the game, run our clock, and keep us in it. And our defense had to play very well. I think the key to this game is running the ball. And if you go back and look over the history of Tennessee and Florida, back in the 90s, it was one of those things where if, and even in the 2000s, if you ran for more yards than the other team, you usually won that game which kind of seems odd because both teams had passing attacks. We had Peyton Manning, and those guys had Steve Spurrier's, you know, funding gun offense. But the team that had the most rushing yards was the team that always won. So I think in this situation, we need to figure out ways to – we're not playing hitting on all cylinders right now with offense. And I hope we have figured out some of those things through our practice, but it's kind of hard to do that. And you got the crowd on top of you in Florida. 
In order to be able to take the run, take the crowd out of the game, you got to be able to run the ball effectively, hit play action, and also be able to hit those guys over the top. So the running game is going to be very paramount, and it has been for the first two games of the season. Over 200 yards rushing in each one of those, I think we need to set that same trend in this game. Yeah, Caleb, I, I agree. I mean, it's not as sexy, but run the football, and Tennessee has controlled the line of scrimmage against two subpar opponents, but they've done it without Cooper Mays with Ollie Lane and Andre Couric. Yeah, I agree. And the way teams are right now, I feel like they're selling out to try to not get beat over the top in this hypo offense. And I think one thing I give hypo credit for Fred is that he's shown a patience and a willingness to say, if you guys keep selling up, fine, I'll keep doing the short screens and running the ball the whole time. I'm not going to get like, it's, it's as Dave talked about, it's kind of the anti Spurrier where if you did it to Spurrier, as y'all learned in the late nineties, eventually he got impatient and he tried to force a deep shot. Whereas Heifel's like, I will stick to the run game until you guys have to cheat, cheat up. Travis. Absolutely. It takes away some of that. It takes away some of your time as well, too. Yep. Travis on the message board saying, run the ball, let the defense do their job. Well, that leads us to third down. Coop. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. I think that I don't think the job is necessarily to like back in the day, limit Steve Spurrier scoring. I think it's to flip the field a couple of times. This is a vertical defense that attacks Fred, and Tennessee has done that. Aaron Beasley had like a thousand tackles for a loss last week, but it's it's more than that to me, Fred. It is going out there and making some some big plays, a score, or set up Tennessee's offense inside the twenty after a kickoff. And I think this defense can do that. I think you could see two or three big flip the field sort of plays. And that's the way they're designed, I believe. Am I correct? Yes. And I, and I look at the defense now. And we've got a lot of pressure with just front four. Not a lot of blitzing. The guys up front. And we have sent one or two guys every now and then. But you haven't seen our big blitz package. And I'm pretty, pretty sure we have extensive blitz package for this game. I feel like... If you have the, the the pass rush you have right now with the Pierce on the outside and, and Barron, you can do a lot to stop this Florida offense, which we don't know exactly what they're going to be yet. We have no idea what they really are yet. Um, I don't even think they do. But stopping those guys on the run, that's going to be the start of it, and getting after that quarterback. If you can do that with your front four without having a blitz, I think it's going to be a, a long day for Florida. Now, I do want to see us bring a blitz or two and get a little bit more crazy when it comes to those types. Okay. Of things. I want Caleb to jump in here, but Smoky Mountain Red, slow your roll. I put his, he's up there on the YouTube uh, page. And if you're listening on another platform, check us out on YouTube too. Hit like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and please review us. Uh, we got a bunch of five star reviews on the podcast, which is cool. So that helps us get out there even more. And Smoky Mountain Red says, God, I hope we embarrass them in their house. I mean, that would be phenomenal, but a one-point win, guys, we would all agree, is still a win. It's still a win. Caleb, I mean, I mean, you've seen this fan base get a little ahead of itself. Pull your jets. A half point is enough. A quarter of a point, yes. whatever it takes, just walk out of the swamp with a win. Yeah, it, it's it's the swamp. I mean, just, just get the win. I mean, there are guys – I mean, I remember the 2001 game when Tennessee won in the swamp. Tennessee outplayed Florida significantly, but still only won by two. So, it's Fred, it's kind of like that 99 uh, Fiesta Bowl when y'all beat Florida State. 
Y'all won 23 to 16, but that the score was way closer than the game was, if you really watched that. Absolutely. Game. Right. And absolutely. Yeah. And um, so with with, with don't be disappointed. I guess don't don't be disappointed if it's not 62 to 6. I mean, if Tennessee wins 24 to 23, everything's good, right? I mean, the spread, the point spread is like six points. So yeah. Yeah, you know Vegas don't usually get it wrong much. Every now and then they do, but they don't get it wrong much. Yeah. Did you did you keep track of the point spread when you were a player at all? I did, but it didn't really matter as long as we won. You know, it wasn't about you know, yeah, oh, they got us picked to beat them by fourteen. We would think, man, that's a slap in the face. We should beat them by twenty something. You know, I mean, we did, but. The whole goal was to win the game. Yeah, and in the 2001 game, uh, Philip Fulmer used to always say he didn't pay attention to the spread, but he he referenced, was it 14 and a half or 17 and a half, Caleb? It was 17 and a half, and it moved to 18. Okay, yeah. He referenced it all during the week, and Tennessee went out one. So it, it was motivation for you guys to beat somebody worse. It was motivation for that team just to stay in the game, which which they yeah. ended up winning. What down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. All right, Fred, I just want to open up to you, my man. Uh, you're the smartest guy I talk to on a regular basis about football, so I just want to – you tell me your keys. Fourth down is all yours, and I know you'll convert. And there's three phases to the game. It's offense, special teams, and defense. There you go. I think <laughs> offensively, man, I'd like to see us be aggressive. Stress the field. Get that ball downfield. Throw the ball downfield anyway. If it's there, throw it. Now, I understand they got an umbrella shell over the top, and the two high safeties, those type of things. But if you have an opportunity to get that ball deep at any point in the game, I don't care if you overthrow it. I think if you throw that ball deep, they know that you can go deep. And that thing, that makes the defense loosen up a little bit and it gives you options underneath as well as the running game. It opens it up a little bit more. Um, as well as on defense, if you're if we're coming into this game and we're going to sit back and wait and hold back and play a zone and play soft, I'd, I'd rather us not get off the bus. I want us to go down there and throw everything besides the kids in sync at them. I mean, I want to see more than one blitz. I like to see several blitzes. I like to see us get after that quarterback and put his butt on the ground every time he goes back to throw the ball. I feel like that's how you win these type of football games. You establish dominance. You don't want to go out there and just say we won it. You want to dominate. So go out there and dominate them on the defensive side of the ball. I think we have what it takes when it comes to defensive ends. Our linebackers can play very well, and our secondary plays very good as well. We need that quarterback to not know where that blitz is coming from on every chance we get. And we need to throw every exotic blitz we have under the sun at them. Yep. Special teams-wise, we need to make sure we don't have any block punts, no kickoff returns or punt returns for touchdowns, and set up our returns and get something out of it. We need to either flip the field when it comes to punt returns or get us a punt return for a touchdown. I think those are our keys to being able to win this football game. But most importantly, be aggressive and expect to dominate. Yep. I like it. Fred's appearance brought to you in part by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT. That's HAT. You get some free swag with any cider order available most anywhere in the United States of America. TNCiderCompany.com. TNCiderCompany.com. And they bring you Celebrate 98, the YouTube series that you can check out on our YouTube page. So hit uh, hit like and subscribe and turn your notifications on and also several of those 
quotes pulled from that are in the Celebrate 98 book, which you can order a personalized uh, copy of uh, right below. And I think Fred and I have a uh, autograph signing. So see, my my autograph, it's coming up next week. My autograph will actually devalue the book a little bit, but Fred's will bring it back up so that you I remember one time being with John Wilkerson and somebody came up and said, can I get your autograph? And he's a longtime host of Sports Talk. And he was embarrassed. He goes, no, I don't want an autograph. But not because he was too good for it, Fred, because he was embarrassed to be asked that because he didn't think he was anything like you guys, like players. And sure enough, I just gave him a hard time. I was like, John's too good to autograph for people. <laughs> but it feels Caleb you can understand this it feels weird when somebody asks you to autograph as a writer as Fred it should it's appropriate I've never been asked for an autograph in my life so I don't know yeah I was yesterday for the first time at El Chico and that was great we'll be at Clancy's this afternoon in downtown Knoxville from three to six on Friday Fred for you it's normal for me it's weird it's well, let me say this first. I can hear I can hear John now saying, Well, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got to find some uh scheduling to get both you guys on the show. At the, at the I'm old John, man. John's a funny guy. But it, it is I'm not gonna say it's normal. I'm I'm humble and I'm, I'm appreciative of people remembering who I am and those type of things. However, there's a second side of that. You could be Peyton Manning and not be able to go anywhere. That's true. So, or you could have a Peyton Manning autograph that was actually done by a sports information department employee. <laughs> <laughs> because most of, most of them were. They had three guys trained how to do Peyton Manning's autograph. That is horrible. <laughs> Up on your wall right now, you're looking at it like, oh, huh. Did Bobby from the SID office do that? Did you know the uh, before we get to memories of the Florida game, which is going to be awesome because some of them are incredible. But did you know that um, at, at the the most requested player to get autographs before Peyton Manning was? Anybody want to guess? He sure. No, Caleb. Reggie White. No, Condridge Holloway. Yeah, that according to Bud Ford uh, way back in the day, he said he was the Peyton Manning was the first one that ever eclipsed uh, Condridge, which is uh, super cool. And I love that the university embraced him last week. We didn't really get into that, but I I just thought that was uh, super cool. Now, what the H crazy stories from the Tennessee Florida game as Fred White joins us. Uh, right here with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hose. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. We got a story going up today about how Eric Westmoreland turned his ankle and he goes to the game on crutches, the 98 Tennessee Florida game. My Good gracious, and I've got another one as well. But did you really think Westmoreland Eric was going to emo was going to play in that game as he's going up to uh, he's going up to game time still on crutches? That's phenomenal. You know, we didn't think it was going to play at all, but you know, 
he was doing overnight in the training room. He actually slept in the training room. They were doing hot and cold contrast, massages, those type of things, ice cups, trying to get him ready for the game. And we did need him for that game. And it was the biggest game we had played in our careers. And that was something that, you know, coming in that weight room, well, coming in the training room that morning, every morning for three days, sitting in Westmoreland in that training room sleeping. And his foot is in the, you know, ice tub or it's in the hot tub or they're doing work on him. And it's like, man, I hope he gets ready to play, but I don't think he's going to make it. To see him be able to come out and play in that game was amazing because we didn't think he would. The the other one I want to share, and then uh, Caleb, you can, you can riff on with some Florida memories, is that, and, and this is on our YouTube series, the Celebrate 98 YouTube series brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. And the other one that I found very, very entertaining, and Fred didn't even know that this happened during the game. At one point, Dwayne Goodrich liked to talk trash to the other offensive coordinator. Now, Fred, this is before the internet, would find out the girlfriends and the mom's names and all that stuff and use them during the game. But Dwayne Goodrich's, his trash-talking MO was that he would he would talk trash to the other offensive coordinator and say, throw it my way, throw it my way. I dare you, I dare you. And it may have actually affected the Arkansas game, he said. But in the Florida game, who's the offensive coordinator? It was Steve Spurrier. He was talking trash to Steve Spurrier, and he said he actually got benched for a bit during the 98 game because of talking yep. trash to Steve Spurrier. That is gold. Yes, and I remember it because he got a touchdown pass thrown over his head. <laughs> he bit on an out route, and it was out and up. And Dion caught a cramp coming across the field, and it didn't, you know, he couldn't get to the ball. So Travis Regrills catches the ball down the sideline, and it's touchdown. And yeah, he did get benched for a second. I went back and watched that game too. I had to after, after having that interview. And that was insane. But I will say this. He could do those things too because we had a guy by the name of Deion Grant that was roaming us, you know, from sideline to sideline back there. He could be very aggressive. Um, <laughs> just so happened Deion catches a cramp on that play. On that one play. If he does not catch a cramp, Traveling grip does not have a touchdown. That's an interception. You're right. Hey, can I share one, Caleb, before you get going from the message board, if you don't mind? Because uh, Al Wilson was so great it, it you know that sometimes we maybe forget one performance here and there, but the Florida game, Al Wilson's performance in the 98 UF game was the best I've ever seen. I agree with that, Bob, a Tennessee defensive player. 12 tackles and three force fumbles. Jesse Palmer, Doug Johnson still have nightmares about Al. I mean – Without Al, Fred, I don't want to insult anybody. That's that that's a Florida win and and maybe a little one sided. Yeah, he made a lot of things happen in that game. And you know, one of my favorite plays is um, he blitzed up the middle, hit the hit the quarterback, and I got a chance to knock the ball out. Mm. Now, of course, he knocked the ball out first, and then the ball kind of popped out after I hit the guy. But I remember having that, getting getting on that fumble, and that was a big play for us. And I, I that's my favorite game that I've ever played in. Wow, that Florida game in 1998 is the best game and most favorite game I've ever played in. It tops every game I've ever played in my entire life because it was that fun to play in. We were very aggressive, and we brought it. If you go back and you look at that game. Defensively, we really got to their butt. 
we had a lot of turn, six turnovers in that game, but it still took us to overtime to win it. And that tells you a lot about how our defense was. I mean, those guys went out and they played their butts off. And a Deion, Deion Grant interception, a Al Wilson fumble force, um, Raynaud Thompson picking up, picking up a fumble, Mickey Allen causing a fumble. Those things changed the game, and it showed everyone that, man, you come to Knoxville, you play in Neyland Stadium, you're going to have to reckon with our, our fan base and that loud crowd and our defense. And I think one of the things that this team has for it, it, it has a good group of defensive guys. They can get after the quarterback. We lead the country in sacks, and we have, we're number two in uh, talents for loss. These guys get after it, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. Caleb, my big memory from that game was getting a big sweaty hug from Steve Johnson, a fellow broadcasting major, <laughs> and after the game, and um, I mean, he was – I, I've never done heroin, but he you can't get as high <laughs> as he was at that moment. You talk about just being high on life. Um, he, he just gave me the biggest, sweatiest hug, and I was so happy for him on a personal level. So uh, that was on the field right after the game. Go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. All right. So before, um, you know, I, I like to be a little bit of a troll. So before I get into my <laughs> troll uh, putting Fred on the spot, I just want to add one troll, Dave mentioned the hypothetical score Friday or Saturday to be 62 to six, you know, Dan Marino lost his last game in Florida, a playoff game to Jacksonville. It was 62 to seven. And that was Jimmy Johnson's last Ooh. game ever coached. So I just like trolling NFL players. So, um, but Fred, I'm gonna put you on the spot because you know, you, you're very honest, but you're also diplomatic with teammates you love and with coaches you like, because you're just a good guy. You're just a really good guy. You had to be frustrated. Let's let's go to that 99 Florida game for a minute. You had to be frustrated with the fact that y'all's defense gave your offense every chance to win that game, and they let y'all down. It's a team game. <laughs> it's a team game. It just means we, it was something that we could have done more as a defense to get the job done. I'm gonna look at my offense and say I do I do not like the fact that we called a sweet play with Jamal Lewis and to to the side of Javon Curse. <laughs> if David Cutcliffe is offensive coordinator, y'all are winning that game. That that still <laughs> drives me insane. I watched that game this week too. I coming up to Florida week, I go back and I watch all those games over. And I forgot the toss sweep, Fred. There's one game that makes me happy every time I have to watch the 98 game last because the rest of them, I'm just so frustrated after watching them because we made key mistakes. And that one, it didn't come down to just that one play. There's a few other things that happened. We had a guy, um, that, uh, Alice Brown had a heck of a game. He had four sacks in that game. Five. And we didn't do anything to help out our tackle, Josh Tucker. We should have chipped him with a running back or something. And we didn't do those things. And, you know, you look back at it now, hindsight's twenty twenty. We gave this guy – he became a second or third-round draft pick out for that. It may have been a first-round draft pick. I can't remember. But Alex Brown had the game of his life in that game, and we didn't do anything to, to help our tackle out in that game to suppress to him. Hey, can, I ask um, you, but, can I ask you this about that Alex Brown game? There was talk mm -hmm. that T would shake his hands. Do you remember that? Right before the snap, and that was what Alex was reading. Do you – 
even if it was what he was reading, we still should have do. You got to do something to help out the tackle. Put a tight end on that side, or um, chip him with a running back, or whatever it may be to get him off his rocker. To kind of just make sure he knows it's coming, and also it makes him not come as hard as well because he's looking to see if that running back is going to come to chip him. Don't end it. There's not one defensive end that I know likes for a running back to come and chip him while he's on a block with a uh, tackle. They hate that. So those things could have been some things we could have done to stop him from progressing or having the type of game he had. So it didn't come down to just that one play, but that's the play you remember because it's the last play we had on offense. And we got Jamal Lewis in the backfield. I'd much rather watch Jamal Lewis go straight up the middle of the football field than to the outside where the defense is as fast as that. Yep. Amen. Great stuff, Fred, as always. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game. We will uh, talk to you soon. Again, brought to you in part by Tennessee Cider Company. Go to tnsidercompany.com. Use the promo code HAT. Get some free swag. You're looking dapper with your orange. You're, and you're kind of you're kind of um, accepting the smoky gray a little bit. I, I like the smoky gray. Yeah. Well, the kids like well, it. That's, that's really what matters, right? If it gets us recruits <laughs> and we play hard with it, I'm, I'm accepting of it. I like it. Fred likes it because Butch he, Jones started. People don't realize that we wanted to play some of the, we wanted to play in different uniforms as well. We wanted to play in the all orange and those type of things. We we would have loved to play in some of the things these guys are playing in. I mean, it, it gives you more opt- more access. It doesn't take away from the tradition. The tradition is the tradition. I mean, it is. We're always going to wear orange and white. However, every now and then, it's okay to have an alternate uniform. It just looks good. Great stuff. Yeah, except when y'all wore all orange, y'all almost lost, Fred. I remember that game. You know what? I never got a chance to wear all orange. I had to flu that game. That was against Memphis. I know exactly what you're I remember that about. game. <laughs> and I remember they were slightly see-through on some of the offensive linemen. Like, uh, <laughs> a, little, a little uncomfortable from behind. All right, Fred. I mean, yeah, they got – I think they got wet or something. Uh, uh, uh. All right, Fred. Take care. <laughs> This is Fred White. We love him. Uh, Brought to you by our friends at Herald Group Security Solutions and uh, Tennessee Cider Company. So I tell you what, uh, coming up on the program, you give me 90 seconds. I'm going to give you the uh, Tennessee, Florida prospects in recruiting that are going to keep a very close eye on this game. 90 seconds and then some crouton talk info you need to know. Off the sports. Yes, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. You're not going to see that guy. Here we go. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. If Nico had to go out in that game because... And it, I've said before, Joe Milton can't play bad enough to get benched. This this coaching staff is all on board. But if Nico did have to go out there, how do you think he would handle it, Caleb, if something were to happen to Joe Milton? I think Nico would handle the pressure mentally fine. I think the problem is physically he would take a hit that could just set his career back forever. And I mean, we could it could be like a it could be like a that hit on Eric Ainge in 2005 at LSU that was so brutal. Interesting. And, Nice comparison. That, I like that. Uh, over under 125 yards for Jalen Wright. I'll go We're gonna get there. under. Huh? We're going to get there. Okay. Uh, just on our message board, I will go under for that one. And then uh, Travis says, I bet we rushed for 200. I would take the over on that one. We're going to get to all of that in our prop bets uh, coming up. I would, I would probably take the under and right because I think they spread the ball out with the way they do. So I told you we would have some Cruton news, and we certainly do, as Tennessee and Florida still battling uh, for uh, prospects across the board. So let's go ahead and get started with that right now. Let's start with athlete Cameron Michael, four-star athlete, expected to be in Gainesville on Saturday. Likes Kentucky and Texas A&M, said he'll visit them this fall and Tennessee. What can you tell me about him? And kudos to Caleb Giroux for the fantastic recruiting co- uh, coverage on offthehooksports.com. Well, right now he's projected to Georgia with two crystal balls. Here's why this game is so crucial for Tennessee. This Here's why him being there is so crucial. Tennessee needs to take the swamp crowd out of it early so he finds the swamp boring. That's That's mm. big. On top of that, if Tennessee beats Florida – they're in good position to at least be playing Georgia with a chance to win the East in November. If you can get him to Knoxville in November for a game against Georgia at home, Dave, I still maintain Tennessee's never, ever, ever had the chance to have the environment they're going to have at home against Georgia this November. And I, I, I'm going to say, I think, I think if you do what you need to do throughout the season, that Tennessee Georgia game, you might see Nalen, compete for death valley in terms of loudness because we've never seen a tennessee georgia game with that in, we've never seen a tennessee game at neyland in november with that type of atmosphere ever in history hasn't happened and yep. so it's twofold to beat you want to beat florida and you want to shut out the crowd so he's not interested and then you want to try to get him on campus when you're playing georgia with the crowd being what it could be All right, Uh, I want to get to a defensive lineman that Tennessee is very high on. Our recruiting coverage today brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? 
rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. Amaris Williams, tell me about uh, that Florida commitment and why he might look elsewhere. Well, he committed in June, and I think the Amaris Williams commitment was one of those commitments that you talk about silent commitments. I think he wanted. I think he did a silent commitment, and Billy Napier wanted him to make it public so Napier in Florida could get some leverage on the recruiting trail nationally. If that makes sense, I I don't know if that means he's fully committed though. So he might be interested in Tennessee, and if Tennessee plays well on Saturday and shuts out the crowd, he might rethink what he does, particularly on the defensive line. But if you guys are upset about Boo Carter entertaining Colorado, I don't want y'all to want Amaris Williams at Tennessee. You're a hypocrite otherwise. Well, I mean, recruiting is all about being <laughs> hypocritical. I mean, what's wrong with that? Um, <laughs> all right, what do you, who you got next? Who will be there? Uh, tight end Jonathan Eccles is going to be there. He's committed to Tennessee, made his pledge in July of 2022, but he goes to IMG Academy in Florida. Florida's still not giving up on him, and it, it he he's officially shut down his recruitment, but Tennessee still wants to maintain him. So that that makes this game big. All right, uh, who's up next? As we talk a little bit of Cruton, uh, we got Amir Jackson who committed to Florida the same week, Amaris Williams. But again, Tennessee's targeting him heavily. He's also going to visit Miami and Florida. I'm sorry, excuse me, Miami and Auburn. The big key for Tennessee. This is a this is Amir Jackson. Not uh, You said Amaris Jackson. It's Amaris no, I'm sorry, Williams. excuse me. Amaris Williams, Amir Jackson. Yes, excuse yeah. me. Amaris Williams is the defensive lineman. Amir Jackson is the tight end. Go He's ahead. a tight end. Yes. Um, if Tennessee can beat Florida this weekend and beat them significantly – um, I think that at that point you could see him take some interest in Tennessee and that's how they could land a visit again. If they can land the visit, I keep saying it. It's so crucial for Tennessee to be playing Georgia with a chance to go to the college football playoff and win the sec East. You want to create that environment. That's going to be the best environment Tennessee was ever able to sell to recruits. And with, and Amir Jackson is one of those players who you could get onto campus for that game if you take care of business against Florida and also South Carolina and Texas A&M. But I'm, I'm going to dive into the Boo Carter thing for a second before we get to the last one that Tennessee can impress on the road, and that's Jordan Ross. So Jordan Ross is committed to Tennessee out of Virginia. This was a big get, by the way. This was one of the biggest gets Tennessee could have gotten at the time. I mean, this was – a sign of them really winning recruiting battles because if I, because they beat out Alabama and Texas for him. Florida was one of his top schools. And just to make sure he doesn't flip, Tennessee wants to play their guts out on Saturday and make sure that there's no doubt in his mind that he wants to be at Tennessee. This is where I, I said all week, James Pierce and Tyler Barron should be eaten in this game. They should be having a field date. If they do, Jordan Ross is staying at Tennessee. There you go. All right. A conversation on the message board that has to do with the recruiting. So I'm going to dive into this. And it's Boo Carter traveling to Colorado. <coughs> Pardon me to check out the buffs. Rocky Top Tom says, I don't want his bleep. Some of us out here have principles. He addressed that directly at you, uh, John C., which is uh, John Caleb Calhoun is uh, Caleb's full name. Rocky Top Tom says, I want Boo Carter gone to get his butt out of here before he even sets foot on campus. Uh, Lance asks why Rocky top Tom then says, because he committed. Now he's going and visits, uh, Colorado. It's disgusting. So it's not okay, but it is a fact in recruiting that a commitment is non-binding. 
Now, I'll just tell you, if it were my son, once you make a commitment, you don't visit, you don't even take phone calls from um, from recruiting analysts. And here's the reason. It's not because you're 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 slimming down your chances. First of all, you keep them all open. You don't commit till you're 100 percent is I don't want you thinking about college in your final year of high school. And I certainly don't want you getting the big head thinking I've already got this set up. So why do interviews afterwards? Uh, now, if you're at an Under Armour All-American uh, All event or something like that, sure. I mean, that's one thing. But there's no talk of recruiting after that. That's if it's my son. I think that – and I, I could write a How to Get Your Son Recruited for Dummies book. I, I mean, I could very easily do that, probably in a long weekend. But I, as far as Boo Carter going to Colorado – I don't think it's an indictment of his character, but here is one concern is that he has already switched high schools and now he's going to Colorado and Colorado is red hot. And I think he's enjoying the game a little bit too much. So I spoke in generalities, my philosophy of recruiting, but with Boo Carter, it wouldn't stun me at all if he ended up somewhere else. This could be a fun visit. It could be something that changes his mind because I think we've all learned in just a couple of weeks, Deion Sanders and with the coaches he's gotten, he can close with somebody. But I think if you're Tennessee, you're scared. Um, it is what it is. I don't have a problem with him going out there. It's not what I would recommend if it were my son, Caleb. I mean, I wouldn't do it either, but I, I don't have a big problem. I could see him committing to Colorado. Here's the thing. People get mad when it happens to their school, but they never complain when their school flips a commitment from somebody else. Well, and but I think, you know, I'm a little bit above that. I mean, I, still, it's not the right thing no, to well, do. We're not, we're not like Tennessee fans. We're covering Tennessee. So, but I'm just saying in general, if you get mad at a player for decommitting from your school and committing elsewhere, have the same energy towards a player who decommits from another school and commits to your school. For instance, I mean, Tennessee fans, which they never should have been, and by the way, all the all the um, there's a lot of factors that go into committing and decommitting. Let's bring up the brother of one of the people that we work with, Cade Mays. A lot of Tennessee fans got upset with him for committing to Georgia in 2017 after he committed to Tennessee. Well, he committed to Tennessee really, really early because he grew up a Vol fan. And then Butch Jones lost complete control of the program. Y'all expected him to stay committed to Tennessee at that moment? Of course he should have looked elsewhere. Same with Michael Penix Jr., who was also committed to Tennessee, and Adrian Martinez. And so, like, but if you don't go after other players and try to flip other recruits, you are handicapping your program. That's just as handicapping as Clemson not going after the transfer portal. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, and uh, Spencer Riley, former Tennessee center, who joins us each and every Monday, he's got a player who's got a lot of offers but hasn't from Tennessee yet. Well, I can promise you when Tennessee offers or if he commits to Tennessee – then you're going to have Notre Dame, Michigan, a lot of other schools that have shown interest that are going to come calling. So that's just the way recruiting works. Sometimes you have to commit to get other schools to get on you. I'm not saying that's right. It's not the way I would play the game, but I at least get it. And now Boo Carter's not in that situation. He was an elite player. He, I, I believe there's nowhere, any somewhere and anywhere, guys. Okay? The anywhere guys... Though, though, Boo Carter is one of those. He can go to any school he wants to. He can call up Southern California. Maybe they haven't recruited him at all. And he can say, hey, I want to go to your school. And they're going to say, there's a scholarship for you. He's an anywhere guy. 
So he's not in that guy. He's not a guy that needs a little extra attention to get a few more scholarship offers. So I don't think he should go to Colorado. I think he should be hundred uh, percent committed. And if he's not, he should have waited, but let's, let me defend the kid for a second too. What if Tennessee said to him, we have four spots for cornerbacks available, which I think he's going to play when he gets to Tennessee and three you're taken. I'm not even looking at the recruiting list right now. I'm just saying that. What if they put a hard press on him? Then you take the commitment. But if I'm Josh Heifel, I'm not considering it a hard commitment if he's taking visits. That's just the way the game's played. Uh, I covered recruiting for a lot of years, and that's that's the way the game's played. It's certainly not perfect and can get downright dirty. How about some prop bets? It's Caleb's got them going, and we want to get to that right now. Prop bets that you can check out on offthehooksports.com, specifically with the Tennessee-Florida game. And I tell you what, uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. We'll tell you more about that here in just a moment. But I love these prop bets because they're fun. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Caleb's just kind of all over the place. So if I agree with Caleb, then we'll have Hank Kingsley say, Hey now. If not, Tracy Morgan will say, That's crazy. All right, number five on the prop bets, Tennessee, Florida. Florida plus one and a half the first quarter. And you say what, Caleb Calhoun? Well, yeah, so the line is Tennessee will be up by one and a half at the end of the first quarter. I'm saying take Florida. The game will either be tied or Florida has the lead after the first quarter because Tennessee has been playing playing poorly in the first quarter all year. (laughs) No way. I think Tennessee gets off. I think Tennessee is not. Florida let Tennessee at the end of the first quarter last year. Okay, well, Tennessee is not a first quarter team under Josh Heupel, but I believe they will be um in this game because i think they're going to run the football and they know who they are a little bit more and i think tennessee's defense will actually have an opportunity to flip the field at one point so i will take tennessee to lead after the first quarter but fair enough all right what's next number four joe milton 19.5 rushing yards over under i say go over he's going to run for at least 20 love that Love that. Um, I think that's an easy one. He'll have he'll have at least 20 rushing yards brought to you in part by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye exam- examination. I got LASIK. Look at me. I can see with no glasses, no contacts. CCTIs.com. CCTIs.com. Support our sponsors. All right, Caleb, what's next? Number three. Jalen Wright scores a touchdown, and I say yes, he does. Just a touchdown? What's is the over under at a half? No, no, no. There's just a bet. It's a minus one ten for Jalen Jalen Wright to score a touchdown. There probably is an alternate for him to score two. You're calling for two. You say go 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 big, go for two touchdowns from Jalen Wright. Is that what you're saying? Better pay out. Uh, no, but I would definitely pay now. Definitely go one. That's easy to me. I, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I would be stunned if he didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's an easy one. I, I would have said Jabari Small, but now that they've used Jalen Wright more than Small the first two weeks, it's clear who they prefer at this point. So Jalen Wright scores, and he might score the first touchdown. Yeah, I'm, that, that, that one almost sounds so easy that I would stay away from it because I'm uh, a bad gambler. 
But if, if you're a good gambler or you like getting cash back, you need to go to Zen Sports. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. More prop bets coming via Caleb. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards, too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over. And in Tennessee to bet. Next prop bet, Caleb, is... All right, Ricky Pearsall for Florida. He's going to have over 73.5 receiving yards. That's crazy. I don't think the pocket's going to protect Graham Mertz enough for that. I agree with the fact that he's probably a matchup that favors Florida against Tennessee's defensive backs. But I think this is going to be a very disruptive pocket. All right, two thoughts on this. Lay it on me, brother. One. Actually, three. One, he had over 100 yards last year against Tennessee. Two, he's had 92 and 123 yards his first two games this year. Three, there's two ways he could get over 73.5. One, a couple of big plays where he beats Tennessee. But two, Dave, what if Tennessee's dominating Florida? And Florida trying to come back is just throwing it all over the field and Tennessee's playing a shell coverage. At that point, he could get over 73.5 meaningless receiving yards. Is that possible? It's true. It's a good point. All right. What's your last one and your most important one, your biggest one, your lock is what before we get to our picks? My lock is Jalen Wright is going to have over 57 and a half rushing yards. Is that where he is? That's where they said it. They said it at 57 and a half. Hey, now. I love that. Give me an argument to play devil's advocate. The only devil's advocate I could play is Florida sees how committed Tennessee is to the run game. So they sell out to stop the run because they don't have faith in Joe Milton throwing over the middle and Joe Milton has trouble converting. And then Tennessee just never gets the run game going. That, that is the, that's, that's not happening. That's just, I had to say something. You, you, you put me into yeah, a corner. I don't, I mean, Florida technically has a third ranked uh, rushing defense in the sec, but that's McNeese state factored into there as well. So these stats really don't become relevant until about a month into the season. So, Caleb, lastly, let me uh, have you give us an official pick, uh, give us an official score. Where are you on that? I think Tennessee is going to cover. I don't, they're not just going to win. They're going to cover the six and a half. I think the reason they're going to cover the six and a half is I don't see I don't see how Florida moves the ball tomorrow. I'm going to be honest with you. If Tennessee, unless Tennessee is playing a shell coverage, at which point they'll only be doing if they're up at like 30 anyway, I don't, I don't see how it's possible for Graham Mertz to move the ball on Tennessee's defense. So I think Tennessee's defense shuts Florida down. I'm seeing like 27 to 17, something like that. We're close. I'm going to go 33 to 16 is my official pick. So 33 to 16, I think Tennessee does cover and uh, wins and uh, somewhat, somewhat easily. Um, But how many times have we said that before the Tennessee Florida? Never. Yeah. I've never said well, we that. haven't said easily, but we said should win 
and felt and a lot of people felt confident going into that and the rug got pulled out from under but i believe i only that, said that 2014 through 2017 and somebody named butch jones was coach crew cut jones was coaching during that time eight dollar haircut but i believe the bbs is over battered ball syndrome i think that's done uh lance says don't jinx this caleb i think i just did the same thing so actually i'm gonna go 33 17 33 17 late two, so two score game a two score game 33 17 that one extra point is huge yeah by the way i don't know if you know this but that 20 that tennessee 99 tennessee florida loss where they lost 23 to 21 they were down by 16 late in the third quarter they scored two touchdowns and fulmer elected to kick the extra point both times rather than go for two both times Jesse has the same pick as me, 33 to 17. Uh, Balls time says Dylan Sampson has three touchdowns. Um, I think there's th there will be a couple of plays in there for Dylan Sampson. I don't want to give anything away, but there'll be a couple of plays in there for Dylan Sampson you haven't seen yet against. Dylan. Oh, they haven't. That's the other point. They haven't shown a lot. And I want to also quell some people's anxiety about Tennessee at this point. Remember, at this point last year, they beat Pittsburgh in overtime and made a lot of mistakes in that game. Remember that, Dave? And yeah, but uh, yeah, but you're not going to compare that to Austin P, are you? No, but I am going to say that that Tennessee team that beat Pittsburgh was not the same Tennessee team that beat Florida two weeks later, and was nowhere near the same Tennessee team that beat Alabama in October. Just drastically different teams. Fair point. The one, the only, Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook. Sports will be with you after the game, the Tennessee Florida game, with complete reaction. We'll probably be joined by maybe a Jimmy Hans, Josh Ward. Maybe more. We'll see. Um, it'll be hectic. It'll be fun. We'll have you completely covered. I see you, Travis, at 42 to 13. Officially, I'm 33 to 17. And I'm going to say it's I'm going to say it's pretty close to that by the beginning of the fourth quarter. And you have a late score by Florida that uh, makes it. How many? 17. How many sacks in the game? I think sacks is how Tennessee wins. So how many sacks? Put the over under at two and a half and I would take the over. I would take over six and a half. I'm seeing like, Whoa. yes, yes. I'm seeing a historic day for Tennessee sacking the quarterback. They're going to eat. Oh, well, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook sports over under six and a half sacks. Caleb's taking the over. Wow. Uh, James Pierce will make everybody forget about Alex Brown. Yeah. I think that picks brought to you by our friends at Tennessee cider company. We'll talk to you after the game on Saturday, so stay tuned. We'll also have all kinds of things going up in the uh, coming uh, hours and uh, even tomorrow. For Caleb, I'm Dave, off the hook sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.